Thanks, worship team, for leading us. Well, it was just a, a few weeks ago, a tragic death, someone that's probably well-known in our culture, Bob Saget. And there's still all kinds of questions about what really occurred. But regardless, a, a great loss, a man that was funny, a man that was a host, a man that was an actor. Uh, and people started right away to share tributes online about his life and what he meant to them and the impact that he made on them. And one of the tributes, though, that was shared by his good friend, John Stamos, and fellow actor from the old Full House show, was really a heart-wrenching comment, a heart-wrenching tribute. This is what he said about his friend, Bob Saget. He said, I wish Bob knew how loved he really was because I spent many nights trying to convince him how loved he was. Isn't it sad that, that someone so popular, so well-known, so, someone that brought so many people so much laughter might go through life feeling unloved? And yet the same thing happens in your life and my life, at least at times and in seasons. And what's even perhaps worse is when people go through life, not thinking this just about family and friends, but wondering, does God really love me? Or how could God love me? And yet so many people do that. In fact, you might be here this weekend and you're, you're wondering that very question. Or maybe you're a person that's become convinced of God's love and the gift of his son Jesus and you've started a relationship with him and yet there's still moments in your life where you feel like, oh man, but does God really love me? We think things like, well, God doesn't love me because he's got to be tired of me by now, right? I just keep coming to him when I need him. Uh, I keep making promises that I don't keep. God's got to just be tired out of me. Or we think God is probably disappointed in me. How can he love me when I make all these promises? When I, when I say, I'm gonna, man, I'm going to really grow in my faith. I'm going to really be more committed to God's word. Or, man, I'm really going to live a life of prayer. Or, man, I'm really going to get my act together. But it's all temporary. And we slip back into the mundane of our normal lives. And God takes a back seat. And we are left thinking, oh, I, there I go. I've disappointed him yet again. Or we're going through a difficult time and, and we're praying, you know, but it just seems like heaven is silent. And so we think, well, God must not love me because God obviously doesn't care. So many people, including many of us in this room, we live with some of those wrestling, some of those questions. And it's those questions and other questions like, well, who who really is God then? Because the problem is, when we view God in all of those ways, it's a wrong depiction of who God is. In fact, the scriptures and the story of Jesus' life as found in the Gospels paints quite another picture of who God is, of who Jesus was. So much so, it, it pushed author Dane Ortland to write a book for which we've named this message series called Gentle and Lowly. And I love the subtitle. It's The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. The Heart of Christ for Sinners 
and suffers. And Dane Ortland wrote this book with the intent to answer two questions. Who is Jesus really? Because our picture of Jesus, our idea of Jesus, oftentimes is skewed because of either life experience or perhaps even things that we've been taught or ways that the Jesus life has been modeled for us that's incorrect. And so Dane Ortland wanted to go back to the Gospels, the storyline of Jesus' life, and say, who really is Jesus? And then secondly, what is Jesus' heart for our everyday lives? In this time in between now and someday when we see him face to face, if we put our hope in him, what is his desire for our life? Does he love us? Does he care? And so that's what we want to talk about. Now, last week and the week before, I think we had the books available. And if you didn't get a copy of Gentle and Lowly, we want to make sure that you have that. Because we really want to encourage you to read along, to dive in. Part of our 2023 vision, it's to grow deeper. And uh, even if you're not an avid reader, uh, take take a shot at this. And journey along with the book. And uh, if you need one still, there's some available at the Welcome Center. What's really cool is alongside of the, um, the, uh, the text is also a video series. And so if you're like, okay, I just, I, I'm just not going to read it, then watch the video series. Uh, and we have many small groups that are jumping in together and they're using the video series. It's a resource that we're making available through our uh, Right Now Media app. And by the way, you want to grow deeper. If you haven't downloaded the app or accessed it online, uh, you are missing out. It's hundreds, even thousands of resources that are free to you. Uh, Bible studies, um, sermons, conferences, uh, touching on subjects of parenting, of marriage, of um, growing in Christ, uh, finances, work life, everything. And you can simply download that by texting the word right now to the number that we always use. That number's on the worship programs as well. Uh, and then you just download the app, create a login, and uh, then click on the chapel logo up in the right corner. And then that'll take you right to kind of our chapel platform of this. And the first video series that you'll see pop up is The Gentle and Lowly. I listened to a couple of them this week. Um, It's Dane Ortland, the author himself, kind of sharing, right, from his own life and heart and why he wrote the book and things that we can learn and and gain this this new, fresh picture of who Jesus is. But this weekend, we want to kind of kick off this message series answering a really significant question. And that question is, how is Jesus for us. I mean, if, I, if I'm not even sure if he loves me, how do I know he's for me, right? And uh, the focus is kind of chapters 1, 2, and 5. And so if you haven't started reading, this week is a great time. Just look at, take a glaze at those chapters. But to answer this question, we want to go to the Gospels, the story of Jesus' life, to something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. It may be common to some but it might be brand new to you. This is what Jesus said. He said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I, he says, will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. Now, what we see in this text is both, uh, first, an invitation, really. 
Jesus is saying, come, come to me. And who's he talking to? He says, everybody, everybody that carries burdens, everybody that's weary and tired and worn out. And we'll talk more about that invitation in just a few moments. But what I want to focus on before we go there is what Jesus says next in this text, which really he gives then a description of himself. All right? He says, take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble, or some translations say lowly and gentle at heart. Thus we get the title of the book, Gentle and Lowly. What's significant is this is not just how Jesus described himself. This is what you see in living color through the pages of the Gospels. This is who Jesus was. He is gentle and he is lowly. And he says, I'm gentle and lowly at heart. I love what Dane Ortland says in the book. He says the heart in biblical terms, it's not part of who we are, but the very center of who we are. So what Jesus was saying is at the very center of my being, no matter what you've thought about Jesus, no matter what you've heard about Jesus, Jesus himself says at the very center of my core, I am gentle and I am lowly or humble. And that's what we want to explore together. In fact, Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, he said, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. You see, it's out of the heart that everything comes. He says, and an evil person produces evil things out of the treasury of an evil heart. And so Jesus says, so what you say flows from what is in your heart. Now, you don't have to be a churchgoer or a Christian or religious to know that the condition of your heart affects your everyday life. It affects how you speak, how you think, how you act. It affects your work world. It affects your relationships. Like if, if I'm bitter in my heart, that comes out. If I'm angry inside, that comes out. If I'm joyful and happy inside, that's going to come out. And Jesus is reminding us here saying, at the very center of who, who I am, what you are always going to see coming out of the life of Jesus is gentleness and humility. He's gentle and lowly. And that's what makes the invitation that he gives so enticing. It's because of who he is. But we've got we've to get a clearer picture of Jesus because oftentimes that is not how we think of him. Dane Ortland says this about the lowliness or the humility of Jesus. He says, the point in saying that Jesus is lowly is that he is accessible. For all his resplendent glory and dazzling holiness, his supreme uniqueness and otherness, he says no one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. No prerequisites, no hoops to jump through. And that's true. Jesus took the low place. He was humble. Even though he was so powerful doing miracles, even though he was so smart and preaching messages that drew thousands and thousands of people, even though he was so holy and other, he was also so humble, approachable. 
why do you think why do you think the religious leaders they got in such a uproar in that day because of the people that flocked to Jesus? I mean, sinners, lowlifes, outcasts. And why did they flock to Jesus? Because he was approachable. They didn't feel judged, they felt loved. They didn't feel ostracized. They felt welcomed. Amazing. This is the very heart, the very character of Jesus. He was humble. He was lowly. Think about it. Jesus, the God of the universe, leaves the glories of heaven, comes to this dirty, messed up world, takes on the limitations of a human body, suffers, is ridiculed, is ostracized himself, ultimately taking the lowest place, dying a criminal's death on a cross, not for his sins, but for your sins and my sins. That's lowly. That's humble. But Jesus wasn't just lowly and humble. Remember his description. He said, come unto me because I am lowly or gentle and humble in heart. He was gentle as well, which is so significant. Sometimes when we heard the, hear the word gentle, we think, well, gentle is kind of like soft, mushy, you know, weak. But when you read the Gospels, Jesus is anything but soft or weak. In fact, he's strong and courageous. He goes against the flow, and yet he's so gentle, reaching out to touch lepers. I, I can remember one time sitting in an elder meeting, and one of our chapel elders at the time was Jerry Boffman. Jerry goes to this campus. He looks like Mr. Clean. He's bald. He's like about... He's like as wide as I am tall, like with muscles. He's like just this beast of a man. And he's sitting next to me in an elder meeting, and I was sharing something, and it was just kind of heavy. And we were praying, and I just feel Jerry's hand. He just reaches over, and he puts it on my shoulder. So strong, so powerful. And yet so gentle, affirming, caring. In that moment, his, his hand was like the hand of Jesus to me. That's what gentleness is. And Jesus is trying to help us re-see him for who he really is. He says, I'm gentle and I am humble or lowly. In heart. I love what Dane Ortland says in his book. He says, Jesus, he's not trigger happy, nor harsh, nor reactionary, or easily exasperated. Let me read that first part again because this is this is the part that often gets reflected in your life and my life, right? With our kids, in our work situations, in some of our relationships. But Jesus, listen, this is why we got to get a different picture of Jesus. Because Jesus is He's like us, but he's not like us, okay? He's not trigger happy. He's not harsh. He's not reactionary. He's not easily exasperated, and I love this. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. That's Jesus. 
gentle and humble and inviting. I, I, I think back to when my wife Lisa was about 10 or 12 years old. She, she and her family, they were going to this church, and it was, a, it was just a small country church. But it, was, it was a real legalistic place. And one time, Lisa, she was running through the atrium with a couple other friends, and they were giggling and laughing, and they were just at church having fun. And the pastor saw her, and he, he grabbed her shoulders, and he shook her. And then he waved his finger right in her face, and he said, Lisa Miller, this is God's church. This is not a place for little girls to be running around and laughing. And in that moment, and Lisa would tell you this if she was standing right here, she said to herself, I will never be good enough for these people. And because it was a pastor that was saying it to her, she thought to herself, I will never be good enough for God. And that started a period of rebellion in her life. It, literally, she, she told me, she said, I thought to myself, hey, if they think I'm going to hell, then I might as well have fun getting there. <laughs> and she just went off course. Because the picture that she was getting of God through a human being was not an accurate picture of the heartbeat of Jesus. It doesn't mean, I, I love that, the posture of Jesus is not a shaking finger, it's open arms. And here's the thing, this goes for parenting, this goes for our spirituality, our relationship with God. If we start with open arms, we'll be able to point out the things that need addressed. But if we start with pointed fingers, will never be embraced and step into the open arms. And so many people live with a view of God that says he's up there just waving his finger at me. In, in fact, we have this idea that, that, that God's keeping score and just coming after us. Jesus is reminding us he's gentle and he's humble in heart. And he's making this incredible invitation. An invitation to come to him. You see, you don't even want to listen to the... When you, when you get an invitation in the mail, like, the number one thing that determines whether you're going or not, it's who it came from, right? I ain't going to her thing. I'm not... Why would we give them the time of day? And sometimes we have a picture and view of Jesus and of God, and he's extending an invitation, but because of our own preconceived notions or the things that we've experienced or the things that we've been taught that have been wrong about who Jesus is, it's keeping us from responding to his open arms. And he says, come, come to me. To everybody that's what? He says, weary and carries heavy burdens. Interestingly, in the context, Jesus is probably speaking specifically to people that felt buried under religious guilt. The religious leaders of the day, they had taken God's rules, God's law, and then they had just added hundreds, even thousands of other rules so that people 
felt like they'd never make it to God. And they had to always just live in constant fear. I, I, I think about uh, our... Yesterday, we were in Indiana. Both of our girls, they cheer for their college university. And uh, they did awesome. They did incredible. And uh, I was trying to figure out, like, how do they do this? How do they score all this stuff? And I'm talking to Lainey, our oldest, and she's like, well, Dad, they don't just look at the quality of the program. She said, don't you see them marking? And they're writing down deductions. Certain things that people get wrong. When, when somebody does a whatever, a backflip, and they, they don't land it perfectly, but they step forward or they lean forward or they put a hand down or, or they step off of the mat. All these deductions. And I think about so many of us are living our lives like God is the gymnastics or the cheer judge. And he's just, oh, there you go again, Todd. Blew at that time. Oh, there you go again, Todd. I, I, I know what you were thinking just then. And he's just deducting, 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 deducting. And if, man, if that, if that is who Jesus really is, we are all toast. But he's gentle. And he's humble. And he says, you don't have to carry that burden. Come to me. Come to me. Because Jesus already carried that burden for us. He fulfilled the law on our behalf. So that doesn't make us just live however we want. No, out of gratitude, it should draw us to want to follow him and to live for him and with him. And he says something interesting in verse 29. As, as part of this invitation, he says, and take my yoke upon you. Well, what's that? We don't use that kind of language today. The yoke was this, this heavy uh, wooden object that would connect Two different animals, oftentimes oxen. And the purpose was for them to do work together. And that by being yoked up together, there would be both camaraderie and they would push one another. And because of this, they would be able to accomplish and pull much, much more than two oxen would normally be able to pull. And what's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, you don't have to carry the burden of religion. He's saying, just walk with me. Stay connected to me. And if you stay connected with me, I'm going to do the heavy lifting. And I'm going to lead you and I'm going to guide you. And you are going to have my strength with you. I love what Dane Ortland says about the yoke. He says it's like a life vest. A life vest is light. And yet it keeps your head above water. And that's Jesus' invitation. Come to me. And, and take my yoke upon you. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be work involved. But it's work next to and with Jesus helping us, carrying us, leading the way. What's all this saying? It's saying that Jesus is for you. He's really, you guys, he is really for you. Do you know that? Because it's important. To, you may believe in Jesus, but do you know that Je he believes in you? Not just in the you that you are now, but he believes in the you that you potentially could be with his help. And it's, it's, it's more than what you could imagine. And he's inviting us to lay down the burden of the law 
and embrace grace and to follow him. It reminds us that Jesus' first move is always towards you, not away from you. When you think you've blown it, Jesus isn't turning. Jesus isn't deducting. Jesus is pursuing. He's coming after you. He has compassion. He's gentle and lowly. In, in Matthew 14, 14, this happens umpteen times throughout the Gospels. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them. He was moved with compassion. His heart beat for people. And it says, and then he healed their sick. He met their needs. He came close to them. And this is the Jesus of the Bible. This is the Jesus that loves you. The Jesus that is for you. And his first move is always towards you. I, last weekend, Lisa and I got to help lead a parenting class at our Sandusky campus, and some of you were there. And this parenting principle really is a picture of Jesus. Anne Voskamp, she says this about children. She says, the moment when I am most repelled by a child's behavior, that is my sign to draw the very closest to that child. That's what Jesus does with us. When he is most repelled by me, by my attitude, by my sinful way, by our wrong actions, he moves in. He pursues. That's Jesus. And secondly, when we have blown it and he moves in, then he gently restores us with the healing balm of his grace. Jesus is always for the relationship, whatever it takes to restore the relationship. He's for you. <laughs> I love what Hebrews says about Jesus as our, our high priest. It says, and he, Jesus, is able to deal gently, because he's what? Gentle and lowly. He's able to deal gently with who? With, well, me, ignorant and wayward people. Why? Because he himself was subject to the same weakness. He took on human flesh. He gets it. He gets you. And he's still for you. That's Jesus. Gentle and lowly. I don't know what your picture of God has been. I don't know what your experience has been that, that has maybe made you feel or think that God is doing this. He will never do this before he first does this. He reaches to you, he reaches to me with a heartbeat of love. He's for you. Would you pray with me? God, I pray today that you would correct our sight, that you'd open our spiritual eyes, that we would see you, Jesus, for who you really are not for who someone told us you were, not for some of the ways that people have represented him to us, but the, that we would see you as you describe yourself in your own holy word. You said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And we can find rest for our souls. Jesus, may we feel your gentle hand on our shoulder today. Would we see your eyes of compassion and love? Would we see you kneeling to wash our feet? And would we see your arms open wide? May we see your smile, that you are for us today. In Christ's name, amen.